everybody. Wish I could see you guys. Uh, sorry about the little technical difficulties there. Um, so first thing, uh, obviously huge news. I just wanted to release a statement on uh, on Jermaine Curse. Uh, about to release it so, uh, via our social media, but I'm just going to read it right here. On behalf of the Washington football program, I want to wish Jermaine Curse all the best in his retirement. Jermaine is a great Husky who had a knack for the big play, both in college and the NFL. I hope to see him and his family at Husky games for years to come. Uh, we're going to release that here shortly, but uh, what, what, a, what a phenomenal football player, what a phenomenal man, and uh, I'm going to try to recruit him to be around our program as much as possible. Uh, he's a shining example of what a Husky is all about. So uh, awesome, awesome news uh, for him, and what a great career. Uh, a couple other deals here. Hey, I want to wish the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, congratulations on a Stanley Cup victory. Uh, I spent, as you guys know, I spent a lot of time down in Tampa Bay. Became a big fan. My family became a big fan, and I uh, want to wish them uh, congrats on the Stanley Cup. It was awesome to watch the series. But now that I'm in Seattle and we have a pro hockey team, Seattle Kraken, let's go. It's our turn. Let's get it cracking. Uh, I got to switch allegiances to Tampa to uh, to Seattle. And then uh, last thing here, we can start talking some Husky football. I want to I wish uh, Blake Snell, the starting pitcher for Tampa Bay Rays, uh, the best today as he starts the uh, American League wildcard game uh, this afternoon. He's a local product, Shorewood High School, right here from Seattle, committed to the University of Washington to play baseball before he was drafted. He is a huge, huge Husky football fan. He's always supporting us. Blake, go get it today, man. You've been an inspiration to our team. And with that, let's talk some Husky football. All right. We'll go to Tim Booth. First question, Mike Farrell will be up next. Go ahead, Tim. Hey, Jimmy. Um, I'm wondering if you can kind of walk us through the timeline of what you did with your players and as a staff after the initial postponement of the season to the winter and then how your timeline is going to look over these next five to six weeks as you get you know, ramped up toward that first game. So from the postponement, um, you're referring to when uh, we were getting ready to play Stanford on September 26th and they postponed the season until January. Is that correct? I think I think that's what you said there. So I'll just answer it that way. I'm not sure if your mic got cut off. Yeah, so what we did is we actually practiced for two and a half more weeks after the postponement. Uh, we worked our players out. Uh, we are on the quarter system, and so there was going to be a huge lag time. Uh, for our players to be here, especially our true freshmen. And so we actually, after that two and a half week period expired, uh, we got some really good work in here right at, right at uh, our facilities here. We sent our true freshmen home and uh, a lot of our vets stayed here and continued to lift, uh, but there was no practices for about three and a half week period. And our plan was always to bring them back uh, right when school uh, was to begin, which begins tomorrow. And we brought them back a week earlier and so a lot of our vets have been here. They've never missed a day of lifting. And, uh, and now our whole team uh, arrived here last Monday, quarantined for seven days. And we've already uh, conducted two practices uh, beginning yesterday. And we had our second this morning. And uh, away, here, here, here we go. Uh, we're, we're off and running, getting ready for our, our 2020 season. All right, thanks, Coach. Uh, Mike Varell, you're next. Uh, you're allowed to talk now. And then we'll go with uh, Lauren Kirschman after him. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, um, just, uh, you know, you just mentioned, obviously, sort of the schedule, the way things have gone. I'm curious, when you have had guys taking three-week breaks and then quarantining and now getting back into, 
you know, uh, your guys' facility. How confident are you with this time leading up to the season that your guys will be physically prepared to play uh, that first game? Yeah, our, our vets are going to be physically prepared to play uh, when, when we open the season in November. Uh, I would say, I mean, 80% of our roster is vets, 70% of our roster are all vets. They didn't leave the city of Seattle. They were right here lifting. They were training. We still have to get into football shape and be able to run football plays and, and, be, and be tired and then run football play again after getting hit and getting back up. That's going to be the difference. But in terms of training, uh, Coach Saha and his staff, staff has done an unbelievable job. Our true freshmen, you know, we, we just got to see if those guys are ready to go physically. We don't know that yet until uh, we get the pads on them and we start and we start banging around a little bit. But that's always the case in any year, not just in, in 2020, which we'll be able to figure out here as we uh, open uh, training camp in October. All right. Thank you, Coach. Uh, Lauren Kirschman, go ahead. Dan Raley will be next. Hi, Jimmy. Um, you touched on this a little bit, but for the less experienced guys, um, how difficult has this been, not just physically, but mentally? And how do you kind of, during this period, keep them engaged and, and keep them locked in to be ready for a season now? Oh, it's, it, it, it's like we just won the lottery. We're, we are so excited around here that uh, we have a season to look forward to and that we have something pre uh, to prepare for. Uh, our morale right now is, is through the roof, but no question. A few months ago, it was a roller coaster. You know, you know we're, we're playing the Pac-12 season, then we're not playing until January, and, and now we're playing. So at this point of the roller coaster, we're, we're at the top right now. We're, we're extremely excited uh, to put all our schemes in, we're out there practicing all together again, and right now we are fired up uh, that we get to play football and go play against an opponent here and uh in about six weeks so we're excited right now all right we will go to dan Rayley with uh ruth robbins on deck go ahead dan uh jimmy could you walk us through how your quarterback uh selection is gonna gonna unfold and do you have a hierarchy on the on those guys right now is it four guys correct it's four guys right now we have the three young guys um you know i call them young but they just have because they haven't played a lot of college football uh, just yet. Two haven't played at all. You know, Jacob Sermon's played a little bit. And then obviously we have the, uh, the older guy in Kevin Thompson. All four are going to vie for the starting uh, job here. Uh, they're starting, it started yesterday. I mean, it started way back in the off season, but um, you know, these last two days that we've ramped up our installs and it's definitely as soon as we get into training camp, it's going to be exciting competition. Uh, it's going to be exciting for our team to watch our coaching staff to watch. And I know for you all to watch and our fans to watch, and uh, like I like you guys have quoted me before, and I'm going to say it again. I'm an equal opportunity employer. Whoever shows that they can run our scheme, can lead our offense, make smart decisions, and make plays, uh, is going to be the one that's going to be the starter. And they got to do it, and they got to be consistent. And um, we're looking forward to watching the competition. All right, we will go to Ruth Robbins, Kyle Bonagura. You'll be next. Yeah, Jimmy. Um the obvious question that everybody's asking is, do you know when the schedule is going to come out? <laughs> yeah. Also, Ruth, I was hoping you could tell me that. No, I'm, <laughs> no, that we're, good, but I'm not that good. I mean, I would, I would hope, what is today, Tuesday, I would hope within the next five days uh, we, we would release something. But that is, that is just me saying that. I, I really uh, do not know when we, we will release the schedule. Um, 
you know, we're, we're just going at about this, that we know we're playing a game, possibly November 6th or, or November 7th. That's how we've scheduled our practices and our workouts and our conditioning. And at this point, for, for us, it doesn't matter. Our opponents gray matter at this point. It's, it's just all about our preparation and getting our team ready physically and mentally prepared to play a game Friday night or on Saturday. But we, at this point, we are just grateful we have a game. We don't even know we're playing. We're just happy we have a game approaching, and it is coming up very, very soon. All right. We'll go to Kyle Bonagura. Kyle, you are uh, open, ready to talk. Next after him will be Larry Stone. Hey, Jimmy, I was wondering, I got another scheduling question. How much input did the conference seek from the coaches in the league about how to, uh, you know, structure the, you know, the new schedule, um, both in, how, in terms of how many games there were and how to, how to do the crossover game and if that game should count? What went into that and how much input did you guys have? Yeah, they definitely, they definitely gave, uh, you know, uh, we, we've been meeting once a week. Uh, they def- definitely uh, reached out to us and, and um, you know, bounced ideas off of us. But really, you know, the ADs and the football, I think they called the football working group. They did, a, they did the bulk of the work on, on, on all of this. Um, and I think when it all came back to where it looked like we were going to have a, basically a six game regular season, almost basically, um, the, the fairest was to have three, three home games and three away games and play your division first with one crossover game. Um, and then obviously that seventh game, whether you're in the Pac-12 championship or the extra game would be a bonus on top. And, um, I thought the way they came up with it was extremely fair. Uh, it was very thoughtful, and um, now we've got to get who we're playing here, and uh, I know we'll all be happy to, to have a schedule to look at and to prepare for. All right, we'll go Larry Stone, and uh, Dave Mahler will be next after Larry. Go ahead, Larry. Uh, Jimmy, you you said when, when the games were shut down that your team was going to come out of this stronger and more resilient. Do you, do you feel that way still, and how much of success this year do you think is going to be determined by how various teams handled the, the layoff and the shutdown. Yeah, I definitely still feel that way. I could feel that out of practice the last two days. Uh, they're, they are just grateful for the opportunity to go, to go through drills with their position coaches uh, to be able to, to run plays. We're, we're running plays on air right now. You know, we're not, it's very low risk. We're, you know, mask on or, you know, certain things that we, that we can't do right now just early on in this, in this phase of this ramp up of how we're practicing. But you can just tell just by talking to every every player, every coach, uh, we are just grateful to be out there. They're they're loving our meetings and just being able to learn and be around uh, their teammates. And we're definitely we've already come out stronger uh, because of what we've been through um, since since March. And then there's no question. The second part of your question there, the teams that handle this virus accordingly, that have the most discipline and practicing all the all the social distancing guidelines that we've learned in the last six months uh, the ones that can that condition that are that are that have to over prepare now because most of us didn't have a spring football we didn't have a real training camp the ones that are begging for extra meetings with their coaches to learn the schemes the ones that are going to be more prepared those are going to be the ones that are going to be holding up that pac-12 trophy uh, come december all right, we'll go to Dave Mahler. 
Hey, Jimmy, lots of time to figure this out, obviously, but just kind of based on what your roster looks like on paper, you know, what you got coming back from last year, what would you say is, is the one position right now that you're deepest at and maybe the one position that you're kind of curious to see how things play out this year? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the easy one, the, the, the last one is, is the quarterback position. Uh, you know, we've had obviously, you know, Jake Browning was a starter for four years and then obviously Easton comes in and, and, you know, whoever ends up taking over the helm there uh, has not started a game for, for the University of Washington. So that's going to be the one where we're all going to be, okay, how is this thing going to shake out? That's the easy one. Uh, the deepest, you know, I think there's two position groups uh, where we have a lot of depth. First, I'll talk about the inside linebackers. You know, we felt like we were, they were all young last year, but we feel like they've all taken a step towards the end of the year that we finished the, the season extremely well and the Apple Cup, and our bowl game, and we have all those guys back. And so our inside linebacker core is, is extremely deep. And I think you got to look at the defensive backs. Uh, you know, we lose Miles Bryant to the New England Patriots, and then, uh, you know, every, everybody's back. We, got, we have everybody back, and we added some, some really talented players uh, that also could be pushing at certain spots, uh, if not on special teams, especially in the, in the, in the, in the back end. So those are the two position groups that I think we, we feel really good about with our depth. And we will go uh, to Christian Capel. Christian, you are unmuted. Hey, Jimmy, um, you've said before that the new offensive scheme and system will make it easier for, for younger guys and freshmen to contribute right away. Um, just curious why that's, that's something that's important to you in college football, to, to be able to get the young guys on the field quicker. You know – I'll say this. It's not even just for the young guys. It's even for, even for our vets. And I think the, the simpler we can keep things where it's, but it's still sophisticated for our opponent is going to make all of our guys play a lot faster. And so, and now going to the young guys, you know, we bring in these guys that are fast and tall and explosive. The last thing we want to do as coaches is slow these guys down. We don't slow them down. We want these guys to play as fast if not faster than they played when we looked at them on tape and we thought they were you know, going to be a big-time player for us. And um, I want both sides of the ball. Uh, a freshman should be able to, to insert into our scheme mentally and be able to play right away. It shouldn't be that confusing. And I think we are taking steps uh, that way. I know we are because I've seen a bunch of young guys out there right now on offense making, making plays in June, July, and August. And even these last couple of days getting lined up correctly. And, and so it, it's, it, it's been fun to watch. Now we'll see when the pads come on and someone's hitting, hitting them, if they're still going to be able to line up the, the right way and, and make those plays. Uh, but it's, it, it is very important uh, for, our, for our coaches uh, not to slow our talented players down. Uh, we're not doing our job. We're not doing our players uh, justice if we're doing that. All right. We'll go to Anthony Edwards from the Daily. Anthony, you're next, and then Bill Swartz after that. Go ahead, Anthony. Hey, you guys can hear me? Yep. Go yes. Ahead. Awesome, yeah. I've been doing this for a while. Student, you know, probably like 100 Zoom calls now. But, uh, <laughs> Jimmy, just wondering, um, as a first-time head coach dealing with pandemic and stuff, is there a message from, like, a former coach or a mentor or something that's stuck with you throughout this time? Yeah, I mean, I would have to point to uh, Chris Peterson, 
long time ago, or I can't remember how many years ago, when he figured out, you know, he tells a story to me and our coaching staff. I think it was when he, after his first year at Boise State, uh, he said, and he told us all, he said, when you're a head coach, you're a problem solver. That's what you are. Every day you're, you're solving problems. And so that really stuck with me. And uh, there's no question. I think all of us uh, have been solving problems uh, in this, in the, during this pandemic. But that sticks with me every single day. Uh, my job is to problem solve. This isn't working. We got to do this. This isn't working. We got to do this. I mean, we had a staff meeting yesterday morning and our whole Zoom on every single computer wasn't working. And so I had to problem solve that very, very quick with a whole bunch of help that uh, all of our video guys that are way smarter than me. But if there was one thing that just sticks out with that question, head coaches are problem solvers. And that's my job is to, is to solve them. All right, we'll go to Bill Swartz. Bill, you're good to go. We're going to get Dave Mahler with a follow-up question after Bill's done. Go ahead, Bill. Jimmy, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, so you've really applauded your guys for doing the right thing as far as uh, COVID protocol. We're seeing Purdue had, uh, I think, 13 student-athletes uh, suspended for going to a dorm party. Are you relying on peer pressure, or is there some sort of a written commitment from the team? You know, I, I, that's a great, I'm going to have to get with her. I'm going to have to write that one down, but I didn't know that story because I like, what I like to do is share a lot of stories around the country and we learn uh, from some of the mistakes uh, that other programs have been making. Um, and so you can guarantee I'm going to share that story in our next team meeting. So thank you for that. For uh, that, That's awesome. And so really, no, there's no, there's no signed document. Um, it goes back to our, to our goals. And if we're going to reach, if we're going to reach our goals, we have to protect the team by not bringing the virus into this building. And we have to protect the team by not getting the virus outside this building and spreading it to your roommates. It's going to be a, we have to insulate ourselves and create an own, our own bubble here at the university of Washington football program. And if the, like I said earlier, the team that does that the best in the PAC 12 is most likely going to be holding up that trophy. And so it's just more about reminding the players what's at stake. And um, so it's more peer pressure, more us talking about it all the time and just reinforcing the idea of always having your mask on. There you go. Always have it ready to go. And uh, social distance, washing your hands, and, um, and going through all the social guidelines that all the medical professionals have been telling us about. All right, we'll go back to Dave Mahler. Go ahead, Dave, you're unmuted. Art hey, Jimmy, next. real quick. There was a, uh, I think, three or four players yesterday opted back in uh, that had uh, declared for the draft. Uh, Michigan State had a defensive end about a week ago that did the same thing. Has there been any, any talk at all about Levi or Joe? I know Joe, I think both those guys have signed with agents, but any, any chance of them coming back if they want to? And is, uh, is there anybody else that you would foresee that would potentially leave early, or is that pretty much, you think, already come and gone? Yeah, I, you know, I, unfortunately, I think that is uh, – they're already gone. They're, 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 they're headed out, and we wish both those guys the best um, in their NFL careers and in their preparation for the draft. Uh, we're excited about those two dogs, and uh, they're always going to be dogs. And I think uh, – we should. We won't have anybody else, um, you know, declare for the draft. And uh, who, who we have right now on our roster should be uh, the roster that's moving forward for this seven-game season. 
All right, we'll go to Art Keel. Art, uh, before we get to you, uh, we're, gonna have, we're not gonna have enough time for everybody to ask their questions. So after Art, we'll go back to Tim Booth and then Mike Varell after that. So go ahead, Art. Oh, Art is still muted. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to go ahead and skip Art then. We'll go to Mike Varell. Mike, uh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, just speaking of you know guys who could have declared for the draft, obviously, You've got Elijah Molden coming back, and he probably could have went either way. Just how important is he to what you do and to your defense if he's coming back for you? He's extremely important, and I'm so – he uh, you know, took a lot of time in his decision-making process. He's obviously a player that – I mean, he could have left right after the bowl game last year. That's how talented he is and, and how much film he's already put out there for the NFL scouts to pour over. Um, and, you know, you guys are going to ask some, some questions here coming up, but uh, he's an extraordinary leader for us. I think he's even learning more about himself, uh, how much of a leader he is throughout this pandemic and, um, you know, being around our team. Uh, but he's extreme. you know, of all the plays he's going to make on that field for us, which I know he's going to do, uh, he's more important as a leader in that locker room for us. And I am so glad that uh, he decided to, to sign with Washington uh, years ago. I'm so glad that he's a dog and I'm excited to watch his senior year play out and uh, then watch the rest of his career unfold at the highest level. All right, we'll go to Tim Booth. Christian Capel will be next after that. Go ahead, Tim. Jimmy, if, if you look at the, the proposed, I guess, dates for the, for the season, it looks like it's going to be seven games in, in seven weeks. And We've seen obviously cancellations and postponements around the country. Are you concerned that there's not that sort of wiggle room built in to the schedule? And has there been discussion about what happens if, you know, if a team, you know, has, has issues with the virus, but they just end up playing five or six games uh, for the season? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think what's different, uh, what we have going in the PAC 12 is we're, we have the daily testing. And so if you look at the National Football League, you know, knock on wood, there hasn't been a postponement yet because the teams are getting the, the, the teams and the staff are getting tested every single day. So they know when they hit the practice field, nobody has the virus. And so if someone gets it the following day, they don't have to do the contact tracing and basically eliminate, you know, 20, 30 guys off the team. And so that's why I've, that, that's where you've seen the NFL not have to postpone games so far. That's where the Pac-12 is going to be. We're going to be testing these guys every every single day, and so I don't think we need the wiggle room uh, because we're going to be testing every single day. Because we should have all negative uh, guys that tested negative uh, going through our our games from week to week. Uh, but if we did not have the daily testing, Tim, I do agree we would definitely need some wiggle room, like we had built in in the previous Pac-12 only schedule when we were going to begin on September 26th. All right, we will go to Christian Cable, then we'll give Art Teal another chance at it here, Art, if you'd like. Uh, go ahead, Christian. We're almost done with questions for Coach Lake, though. Go ahead, Christian. Uh, besides the guys who have declared for the draft, have you had any other changes to your roster, and are there any guys who won't be able to practice fully when you guys start in October? Great, Chris. Great question, Christian. So I have one little note here on my card that I failed to mention because I was getting too excited about Blake Snell and Jermaine and, and the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Seattle Kraken. So I do have one roster update right here, what I want to share. Uh, so Cole Norgard 
has re- re- medically retired from football. Uh, we really feel for him. He's been battling some injuries for a couple of years now. Um, but what's a positive thing, he's going to continue to be around our football program and, and help out our offensive line and our scout teams as he finishes up his degree. And, um, you know, it's obviously it's, it's never a, a, a happy moment to announce something like that. But, uh, but Cole's, been, Cole's been a tremendous uh, Husky, and uh, we wish him the best. All right, sorry for that. Uh, go ahead. We're going to give Art Teal another chance to try to ask his question. This will probably be the last one for Coach Lake, however. Go ahead, Art, if you're, if you're there. Okay, there you go, Art. Go ahead. Okay, uh, Jimmy, um, you mentioned about the, uh, the daily testing as being the game changer for the Pac-12. Uh, that certainly does help contain the spread. But what gives you the confidence that something else has changed that would prevent the initial infection? So what what it does, I think I'm if I Art, if you're getting your if I'm getting your question right, what it does is it stops the contact tracing where you have to eliminate players that do not have the virus. So there's no question. I mean, we you, you can't we can't stop a one player from getting the virus off campus wherever it is. But with the daily testing, what we can do is eliminate that we had an effective player around. 10, 15 players, and now all of a sudden, 20% of our roster is not eligible to play the game. That is the difference between what we have now in the Pac-12 as opposed to what some of the other conferences are doing. And that is the difference is what the National Football League is doing. You see one player, I believe, I can't remember which team it was, tested positive, uh, I believe it was for the Atlanta Falcons, and they he obviously missed the game but they didn't have to take away a whole bunch of other people because the contact tracing, he was not around anybody who else had the, or, uh, to, to spread the virus from himself to anybody else. And so that is, that's the difference. Hey, Elijah, I was just wondering, how have you been staying focused during this time and kind of leading your younger teammates throughout this whole process? Yeah, I think right now is probably more tough than it ever has been to, to stay dialed and focused. But um, really, I've just been, you know, focused on focusing on what I can control and what I can't, especially right now with so much uncertainty and everything is changing day to day, week to week. I just take one day at a time and then, you know, focus on what I can control. So the playbook, what I do out in the field, recovering, that sort of stuff. All right, thank you, uh, Elijah. Kim Grinolds, you're up next. Dan Rayleigh will be after Kim Grinolds. Go ahead, Kim. Hey, Elijah Grinolds, how you doing, man? Good, how are you, Kim? Good. Hey, um, with everything that's been going on, guys opting out, declaring the draft, um, is that something that you considered? If so, um, how close were you to making that decision? And then also, your dad is a first-round pick. How important was it for you to come back and uh, try to become a first-round pick as well? <laughs> um, this is a two-sided question. I think I'll answer the first one uh, first. With the whole the whole situation um, from the very beginning, when it was declared that we weren't going to have a season, I think the name of the game was patience. And naturally, I'm not a very patient person, so that was something that was difficult for me, but. Right now, I think it was um, a very valuable lesson just because you don't know what the future is going to look like. And I, I don't want to make a decision 
an emotional decision when I want to play football. Um, but so the decision, to, my decision to come back, um, every, everyone like Levi, Joe, everyone who's opted out, they have their own personal reasons. And, and I've heard from those guys and they have, you know, very valid reasons for opting out. Um, but for me, I, I think I just love the game so much that I, I wouldn't be able to sit out um, any longer knowing that I could have played. So that was my motivation behind coming back. Um, and especially with, with a new coach and Coach Lake, I believe in him entirely. And I feel like I wanted to, you know, I want, I want my senior season to be, you know, it's my last year here at UW, but it's his first. So I kind of want to want to start him off on a good note. All right, thanks, Elijah. We'll go to Dan Raley with Mike Varell on deck after Dan. Dan, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Elijah, can you hear me? Yes, yes I can. Um, as one of the three cornerbacks, does your role change at all this in your senior season? Do you get like more freedom back there now to do what you do? Um, that's a good question. I think I think with the year under my belt of starting, I think I, I'm more comfortable in my position, and and um, you know with that year under my belt, I think I'll have some more responsibility. Um, but shoot, it's not like I can do whatever I want. You know, as as a nickelback our job is to kind of, you know, get the call and then control the defense from there. So it's already a position where I have a lot of freedom. Um, so I'll be interested to see what my, how my role changes this year. All right. Thank you, Elijah. Mike Farrell, you're up. Ruth Robbins next. Hey, Elijah. I mean, you mentioned it, but obviously this is such an unprecedented year. And I'm curious, you know, as a leader on this team, what kind of leadership do you think is required from you when you've got to keep guys responsible on the field, off the field, keep them away from situations that might get them in trouble with COVID? What does that require from you as a leader on this team? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I think that's the golden question is, is um, yeah, I think a lot about leadership is motivating people. And the question is how can you motivate an entire team over the course of a whole year? Cause a lot of, a lot of motivation is, you know, you get, it's, it's quick and then eventually it dies down. But that like sustained motivation is, is something that everyone has been trying to figure out forever. But um, as a leader, I, I just got to remind people what, what our goal is as a team. And then also what each player's goal is individually. Because if, if you, if each player does what they're supposed to do and, you know, uh, takes care of their job, then the whole team is going to gonna have success. All right. We'll go to Ruth Robbins, Ruth, then Larry, then Lauren Kirschman. Go ahead, Ruth. Elijah, um, this might be kind of an off-the-wall question, but, but I'm wondering, you know, with everything going on in the world, I mean, it's just been a nuts, crazy year of, of division and, and problems off the field, you know. Um, what do you guys as a team do to unify at times like that? I mean, do you guys have discussions? Is there any kind of dialogue that goes on in the locker room with you kids and, and, and how do you keep those kind of outside um things in their perspective do you understand what i'm saying yeah i do i think you, you mentioned uh locker room and that's usually when a lot of these types of conversations happen <laughs> but in this year we don't have a locker room so um you know the coaching staff i think it was around the george floyd case um, we had a couple Zoom Zoom meetings where that's all we would talk about was was kind of um, you know the the situation of our country and just 
that was when people were able to voice their their concerns uh, and we listen open heartedly and and I think a lot of the times it's easy because it's, e- it's easy to hear the other side because we're all a team we're all so close with each other um, that you know we we respect other people's um, different stances or whatnot but we all agree that you know some of the cases that are happening in our country right now are, are human rights issues. Thank you, Elijah. Larry Stone next, then Lauren Kirschman. Larry, go right ahead when you unmute. Yeah, uh, Elijah, uh, what about the the responsibility that players are going to have to sh- undertake now to to keep themselves safe from COVID, not go to parties, you know, now that you're on campus and stuff? Uh, is that going to be difficult for this group, or do you think that they understand what's at stake? Yeah, I think I think for this group in particular, it's going to be. I mean, we're pretty dialed as a team, um, and I think it starts from, from the top all the way down. But um, I can definitely see, especially as a, you know, as, as a younger player, the freshman coming in new to the college scene and then, and then some other players, I can see how it's difficult to, you know, to not, you know, not go out and have fun and, and have part of the college experience. Um, but this is, a, this is our responsibility, and we made this commitment to the team. All right, thank you, Lauren Kirschman, Masvida on deck. Go ahead, Lauren. Hi, Elijah. I was just wondering, I mean, you talked about how important it was for you to play this year and how you didn't think you'd be able to stay away and and how you wanted to start Jimmy Lake off on a good note. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm wondering, during the period where it wasn't clear if you were even going to have a season at all, what was it like for you in that period, and and how did you kind of handle that situation? Yeah, Um, I think – the first couple of days, couple of weeks, um, and then that probably led to a couple of months. Uh, at, at first, I was very – every day was like me trying to figure out, me reading news headlines, me doing this and that to try and get the, you know, breaking news so I can kind of know in my heart what I was going to do. But the thing is, like, I can't control any of that stuff. And a lot of what, what was happening would change every week. So the situation was really dynamic and I really found peace once when I just, I realized that, listen, there's nothing I can do, you know, the, going on Twitter, going on Instagram, whatever, isn't going to help me. I'm just, I'm just going to let God do his thing and then I'm going to sit back and keep on working. So this, this off season, I really just took it day by day and I think I have my most successful off season. All right, here's what we're going to do. We'll take four more questions from the four hands raised, Masvida, then Christian, then Chris Fetters, then Mike Farrell, so we'll start with Mas Vida. Go ahead, Mas. Are you guys all in a different room together? Yes, yes everybody. No, everybody's at their own homes. Oh, okay, okay. I'm yeah. pressing a lot of buttons here. Go ahead, Mas. You can see them, but I can't see everyone else. You can only, I can only see their names, not their, not their faces. Okay, got it. Yep. Go oh, ahead, Mas. No worries. Thank you, to, thank you to all y'all helping facilitate this. Hey, Elijah, going back to uh, the Black Lives Movement uh, discussion you all had and as a team, and then what can you say about the university athletic department moving from discussion to responsibility and now there's a vote? I mean, there's a, there's a push for y'all to vote. And what can you say about just going from discussion to action and how important that is in this whole process? Yeah, it's very important. I think it's, I think um, when, when, when inequality happens, it's, it's important to get the message out to spread awareness and stuff. But a lot of times on social media and especially Twitter, there's too much dialogue and not enough action. 
And that's kind of when um, it's easy to feel hopeless when all you hear is negative and negative comments about a situation that, you know, is, is terrible. But um, what makes, what makes change is, is the action like voting and action, like actually going out in the real world and treating people with respect. So um, as a team, we decided that uh, all getting registered to vote and then voting um, was something that we can do. That's easy. That would, that would um, bring about change, especially in our platforms. All right, we'll go to Christian, then Fetters, then Mike, and we'll be done with uh, Elijah's portion. Go ahead, Christian. Hey, Elijah, uh, I'm just curious, you know, how you think not having a spring ball and, and having the timeline pushed back and not starting fall camp till October and all that, just curious the impact you think that might have on the defense and um, how you would gauge sort of your guys' ability to weather all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um... – I mean, really looking at where we're at now, and I think if we if I take a step back, I think we'll be completely fine. Um, early on, I was like, I was thinking probably the same thing you are. Was dang, they're missing spring. I know as a as a young guy, spring was a great time for me to to grow and learn the playbook and stuff. Um, but we had a lot of time sitting at home on our couches, um, and that was when we dove into the playbook and had our meetings and got right mentally. Um, so I, I, I mean, yes, it's going to be different. It's going to be, um, a new transition, but I think we're going to be okay. All right. We'll go to Chris Fetters. Go ahead, Chris. Your mic is open. Okay. Thanks, Elijah. Um, was curious on just, um, you talked about getting coach Lake's tenure off to a good start. What are the differences that you've seen from him that have maybe been slightly different from when he was your position coach? Mm. it's interesting because he he brings the same coaching philosophy the same energy and the same fire um that i'm familiar with uh with the you know with him being my position coach for three years but now it's just to a larger audience so a lot of the times when he's giving his speeches to the whole the whole team he's coming with that familiar you know that I'm very familiar with the way he coaches and a lot of the people, a lot of the other position groups at first they're like, dang, this is coach Lake. Like, you know, he's serious. You know, I didn't, I didn't think he'd be like this. And that's when all the DVs will look around and be like, yep. You know, you, you know, something's about to happen. So um, right now I think we're all on the same page and we know what, what to expect from each other and we know what to expect from him. So he sets, he sets the tone and then we, we just go off of him. All right, Eliza, thank you. Uh, last question for you will be from Mike Varell. Mike, you're open, ready to talk. Yeah, just uh, kind of two quick things, Elijah. Just first off, obviously coming off such a great season for you last year, what, what do you think is the next step for you as a DB? And then larger, I mean, for this defense, losing Joe and losing Levi, but obviously having a lot of talent, what do you think this defense is capable, capable of this season? Yeah, I think um... – <sighs> I mean, as a team, we have goals and we kind of have expectations, but we don't necessarily put like um, statistics with those, you know, with, you know, with, with what we believe we can achieve. Um, but in every position group, you know, I think we can be, I think we can be great. The, the best uh, Washington defense we've had since I've been here, I believe. Um, and, and, th- and we're a pretty young group in some areas, but and especially with Levi and Joe, like you said, leaving, it's a good challenge, but I think we're all up for it. 
Um, and then individually, I think, I think um, the good thing about the off season is that's that's where I feel like I go to I go to work the hardest, and that's where I grow as a, as a player. Um, and then when the season comes around, all I have to do is just show out and then you know perform to the best of my abilities. But um, I do know that this off season, I've I've improved the most. Um, I think my freshman year I was terrible. My sophomore year I was I was like a little better, still bad, and I feel like last year I was pretty good. I think this year I can be great, though. Hi, Cade. Um, I was just wondering, obviously it's been an unconventional uh, offseason, but do you feel like the offensive players have at least been able to get comfortable with John Donovan, and what have you kind of learned about him um, over these past few months? Yeah, uh, first of all, I think uh, we've gotten really comfortable with uh, what – He's brought with the offense, and I mean, we had some time in the winter. We had some OTAs then, and obviously, we um, everything stopped. We got quarantined, and then we came back, had a little time in the summer, and then things stopped again. But during that time, I think uh, pretty much everyone on the offense has has been in their playbook, studying really hard, and in these first couple of days, it's shown like we have we have a really good foundation of. Of, of what we're going to do, and we're executing really well in these first two days. I'm really impressed with our guys. Okay, thank you. We'll go to Dan Raley. Dan, you're up next, uh, followed by Chris Fetters. Go ahead, Dan. Kate, um, how, how does the tight end fit into John Donovan's new offense? Are two tight ends still uh, a prerequisite? Yeah, very much so. Um, I think it'll be pretty similar to – so what we've done in years past, and obviously there's going to be some different things. Um, he he's got a lot of uh, kind of a new new style, but I mean, heavily, tight ends are heavily involved, and so um, I mean we have a we have a really good room, some really really good players in the tight end room who are are going to make a big impact on the team. All right, Chris Fetters, you're up next, followed by Ruth. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Cade, real quick, um, how has your relationship developed with the new tight ends coach, with Durham, and then also what uh, advice have you given your younger brother now that he's kind of going through the, the same process you went through? Uh, yeah, so so first with, with Coach Cato, it's, uh, it's been an awesome uh, time having him as our coach so far. Obviously, he was with the program before, and I was able to interact with him quite a bit before he was our tight ends coach. And uh, now that he's our coach, obviously I spent a lot more time with him and, and he's incredibly smart, works really hard and, and knows how to motivate us to, to work hard ourselves. And so it, it's been an awesome start. And uh, with my brother, I'm, I'm always telling him about the dogs, you know, and um, he's got a decision to make. Obviously it's, it's awesome that he's gotten all these opportunities um, across the the West Coast and uh, country, but um, I'm, I'm always going to talk to him about how great it is to be a dog, and and so have some of my teammates and coaches as well. So it, it, it's fun. All right, thank you. Here's the lineup I have. It's going to be Ruth, Anthony, Christian, Lars, Mike Farrell, and Didi. So go ahead, Ruth. You are open and ready to talk. Yeah, Katie, you, you talked about uh, the, the the room, the tight end room, and and what what how much talent there is in there could you talk a little bit about some of your teammates and and uh aside from yourself of course I mean who you who you see um 
really rising up this season alongside you. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm really impressed with all the guys, obviously, um, Devin and Jack have been here um, a while and man, it, it's been awesome. I'm, I'm a year ahead of them, but it's been awesome to watch them grow. And uh, just in these OTAs that we've had and, and working outside of those, and they've, they've come a long way and they're, they're ready to make an impact, I know. And, and then we have uh, Zeke and Carson and, and they've been working really hard and, and they've gotten a lot better. And then our, our freshmen, um, Mark and Mason, and they, there's some, some really good playmakers. Uh, I think they're, they're picking up on stuff extremely fast. And I think that's, uh, it's a great thing about our offense too. Like the, these freshmen are, are being able to, to pick up on, on the offense really quickly. And, and they're, they've been able to show up in these first couple OTAs. And, and I'm, I've been extremely impressed. I'm, I'm proud to be a part of this, this tight end group. And it's going to be awesome to see um, how, how we contribute when we put the pads on and, and we get into the season. All right, thank you. Uh, Anthony Edwards, followed by Christian Capel. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah, Cade, uh, who have you kind of seen some improvement from your teammates, especially like this off season, who stands out? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, a lot of guys, obviously it's, it's been kind of hard since we haven't been together a ton. But I mean, I, I've seen a lot of growth from, I guess, from on the on the defensive side of the ball. Just I, I go up against our ends a lot, and I mean, Zion and Leatu, both really good players. Obviously, it, it's too bad we won't have Joe with us, but and he's a great. I'm excited to see him do some big things at the next level. But I, I think we're in good hands with the, our other edge guys that we have. All right, thank you. We'll go to Christian Capel, followed by Lars Hansen. Christian, you go ahead. Yeah, Kate, I'm just wondering what it's like being a college student right now, knowing that, you know, you're, you guys are all going to kind of have to limit yourselves to the, the bubble of your team during this season and uh, how much, you know, self-policing and, and that sort of thing might be required. Yeah, um, I mean, it's going to be really weird. Um, you know, Zoom meetings haven't been my favorite thing over the past eight months or however long it's been. But um, I mean, it, it's it's you know it's what we have to do to to continue to keep playing and and it, it's unfortunate. But I mean, we we can only con control what we can control, and and we're going to do what we can to to do well in school and and play some football and. That's what we're all excited to do. And it might be a little tough, but I think it'll be worth it. Okay. We'll go to Lars Hansen with Mike Varell on deck. And then DD will wrap us up at the, uh, after Mike. Go ahead, uh, Lars. Hey, Kate. How's it going? Can you hear me? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so I talked to your uh, younger brother a few months ago, and he said that you got to, to practice with him and kind of train with him this offseason. Just what did mm -hmm. that mean to you to have that extra time uh, with your younger brother this summer? Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Um, I know a lot of guys who went home had to kind of train by themselves, um, but it, it was extremely fun to, to train with him and, and hang out with him. And um, I mean, I, I've seen, obviously I've been with him my, my whole life and his whole life. And, and he's, uh, 
he's developed a lot and he's become a really good player and it's fun to watch him work in the off season and I'm excited to to watch him in the fall and as he gets closer to making a decision it's it's going to be really fun and I'm I'm super super proud to to be a part of, of what he's doing. All right, Mike Farrell and then Didi Sun will be last. Go ahead, Mike. You are unmuted. Yeah, Kate. I'm just curious. Um, you know, it, you've obviously you know talked through this offense. I'm sure on Zoom calls, like you said, a million times, but mm-hmm. able to drill it as much. I mean, at, at this point, do you feel like how well? I guess do you feel like you understand this offense? And also, as as you go forward as a player individually, what's sort of the next step for you? Yeah. So so with the offense. Um, I think we've been able to execute really well these first couple of days, and um, especially with the lack of reps we've had. And I think that's just come from drilling it mentally so many times. And obviously there will be some some things that are a little different on the field than they are uh, when you're just looking at your screen studying. But um, but yeah, I think we'll, we'll fix those things as we go and, and try our best to be as prepared as possible while we're studying. And, uh, personally, I, I want to take a, a step in, in every facet of my game. It's run blocking, it, it's pass blocking, it's making plays down the field and, and being a leader for, for my team. Um, I think this this can be a really big year for us, even with the limited amount of games. I mean, we, we have a shot to, to win everything, and I mean, so, I'm so excited to, to get the chance with my brothers. All right, thank you. And our last question of the day will come from Didi Sun from Cairo 7. Didi, I think you need to unmute. And when you do, you'll be ready to go. There you go. Go ahead. Hey, Kane. Yeah, I have a quick two-parter here. So just wanting to get an overall perspective from you on the COVID situation. What do you think about the protocols from Pac-12 and the daily testing? Do you feel like that's enough to keep you and the player safe? And um, how weird is it going to be or how tough is it going to be to maintain that energy when you guys do play without a crowd? Yeah, um, personally, and I think this is a sentiment of of all the guys, most of the guys at least, that we're, we feel really safe. And, and we have the entire time uh, that we've been here uh, from the University of Washington and, and the Pac-12. Um, I mean, we've we've been able to keep the, the virus out of our facilities uh, throughout this this whole entire time. And, and I feel very safe to answer that question. And uh, the following one, I... I mean, we, we practice every day without a crowd, and we, we bring a lot of energy. We, we get each other going, and I, I don't see that being any different on game day. And um, even more so, I think we'll bring, bring more energy. And we're all super excited to get going, play some games, and, and make a run at winning everything.